Welcome everybody to the 35th episode of Spurbs Herbs. Today we're going to be doing an amazing herb called Shu Di Huang or Shu Di Huang Romania Radix Preparata or Prepared and that is the the uh, sort of uh, English name of this Prepared Chinese Foxglove Root. That's a mouthful but we're going to get into it and talk about all about it in just a minute. So today's episode, we are going to be discussing one of the most important herbs in the Chinese pharmacopoeia, prepared Romania or Shudi Wang, Romania Radix Preparata. I just said all of that. It is an incredibly important and commonly used herb in herb in many tonic and gynecological formulas. And as always, we will look at something a little different. We'll have a brief introduction into powder or preparation of herbs today. So there you go. Hang with us for just a minute. Before we get into all that, I have a couple questions for you. Have you ever wanted to give herbs to a patient on drugs? Do you have the knowledge and tools to do that effectively and safely? I am finishing up my drug herb webinar series, which gives you real-world tools to answer these questions. As a beginning, the first, two, the first course will give you an in-depth overview of how drugs and by the same token how herbs work on the body. The second focuses on drug-herb interactions and gives you a unique, powerful, real-world tool for assessing them. I created this tool. It's the only way, it's the only way you can learn about it. It's a fantastic tool. I use it all the time. This knowledge should be in every practitioner's toolkit. So I'm going to give you these first two courses, six hours of continuing education units for 30% off the regular already low price. Just go to Integrative Medicine Council, that's Integrative Medicine Council, C-O-U-N-C-I-L dot org slash 32, that's slash 32, and get your discount right now. But please hurry, this is a limited time offer. All right, we want to talk a little bit about powder. So today's herb, as we will explore, is a process form of another herb and has quite different properties and actions based on its processing. In fact, completely different, completely different categories for this herb. Very different, uh, very different functions because of the processing. And this is quite common in Chinese herbology. Processing an herb to change or emphasize certain aspects of the original herb or allow them to be used with less toxicity. This is quite traditional, and it's called Pauzhir. That's sort of the common name. Though some, the, another name for this is Xiaozhir. That's X-I-U, Xiaozhir, um, Z-H-I. Without this processing, many herbs cannot be safely used, and our Materia Medica would be much smaller than it actually is. So according to a book on Pauzhir, a uh, great book by CNU, trans translated by Bob Waz, uh, and it's about the processing of Chinese herbs. Uh, the uses and benefits of powder include lessening toxicity, moderating drastic action, and diminishing side effects. So that's all in the safety realm of the herbs. That's really good and useful. Uh, powder can also modify the energetic properties, such as the flavor, the nature, and the actions of the herb. So there's that. So, you know, we, we talk about when we... Talk about herbs, we always talk about the, the tastes of the herbs. So 
Hauser can change those tastes, the flavor. It reinforces therapy, it can reinforce therapeutic effects, Pauser. Pauser may modify the tropism. So this is an interesting word. And here what we're really talking about is uh, often herbs have a certain affinity for certain parts of the body. So for example, some herbs might go to the lower part of the body and some herbs can go to the upper part of the body or some herbs can go to the arms and some can go to the legs and uh, some to the head and the chest and all over the place. And so um, Pauger is a great way to kind of modify that. You can actually change where the herb is going by using different Pauger, uh, different processes. So very interesting. It can, Pauger can dissipate disagreeable or odors and flavors. So sometimes it's unpalatable or un and it smells outrageous. So we use Pauger to help uh, deal with that. It also can help facilitate storage, pharmaceutical production and assimilation in the body. So it has some sort of real world uh, uses, not just how the herb acts on us. It just, it helps um, all the sort of trade of the herb. And then finally, uh, Pauger actually processing in general. So this is washing and eliminating foreign non-medicinal substances. Remember, most of our substances are gonna be from the ground, outside, animals. And so there is, that's an important part of the processing is to wash and eliminate foreign uh, substances. So very definitely helpful here. There are many forms of processing herbs. These include basic preparation of herbs such as washing, pulverizing, cutting, and defatting. So the defatting isn't often, it's sort of a rare way to, to prepare, but sometimes we need to do that with our herbs. Others can be broken down by the substance or method used, including water, fire, combining fire and water, fermentation and germination, as well as other forms of processing. Many of these can be broken down further. For example, using fire has sub-methods including stir frying, calcination, roasting, blast frying, and baking. And combining water and fire encompass sub-methods like steaming used to create today's herbs. So we're gonna be talking about steaming today. Boiling, scalding, dip calcining, and distilling. So we're not gonna get into all these methods today, but we're introducing them. And at some future point, hopefully we'll We'll get into all these. Each of these methods and sub-methods change certain properties of the herb. It is common for individual herbs used in Chinese herbal formulas to have been processed before being added. So for example, my mentor frequently prescribes honey fried, a method of stir frying with honey as an adjuvant, astragalus. So honey fried astragalus or zhihuang qi in my formulas. He often does this. He has gone so far as to tell me if I can't find honey fried astragalus, omit the herb entirely. In other words, if I can't find this particularly processing for, process form of it, now you may go, well, why I could do it myself? You know, why is this? Because I usually use granule herbs and some of the processing is more difficult to find in, in granule herbs when I prepare my formulas. But I do have one, uh, I have one uh, um, distributor who does have honey fried astragalus. So I do have the ability to get it. But in other words, from him, you know, saying don't use this herb unless it's honey fried, without this special processing, the regular herb would not be helpful and possibly harmful for me. So that's, that's just an example of the power of processing. 
So this is a really brief introduction to the concept of powder or processing of herbs. In future episodes, we will explore some of these specific methods and sub-methods and how they change the herb properties. So we'll go a little bit more in detail. Um, today, we just have a lot to talk about. This is such an important herb, and, and there's a lot written about it. So we have a lot to cover. So we didn't have too much time to get into the powder today, but we did have a quick, uh, a, a quick understanding of powder. Uh, so with this quick understanding, let's get, let's get into today's herb, which would not be useful without some of this preparation. So today's herb, as we've already talked about, is Shu Di Huang, or prepared Romania. It comes from the family Scrofulariaceae. I thought I had this down. Scrofulariaceae. Uh, and the specific species is Romania glutinosa libosh. Now remember that, libosh, all in capitals. That's referring to the botanist who first classified it. So the English translation of Shu Di Huang is one one. One translation is cooked earth yellow. That's sort of a, a very uh, uh, literal translation of this, you know, with shu meaning prepared or cooked, di meaning earth, wang meaning yellow. So cooked earth yellow. Or another, and I think a little bit more interesting translation is cooked earth's yellowness. So in, in Chinese medicine, we say earth is uh, uh, yellow, is of the yellow color. So there's a lot of sort of um, imagery around this as well. Other names for this include just shudi. You don't have to add the wang. So instead of shudi wang, shudi. Um, dadi wang or great uh, earth yellow. Cooked Romania root. In Japanese, it's juku jyo. Again, I don't know how to pronounce Japanese, so please forgive me. In Korean, it's sukji huang. And then I have a few others that I think are sort of um, spins on the Japanese, the Korean, and the Chinese. So I have gunji wang, sukji wang. Kanjio and Tobyun, T-O-B-Y-U-N. So these are all other names. And the one that isn't here is that Chinese foxglove that we already mentioned at the, at the offset of this class. Let's talk a little bit about the Scrofulariaceae family. There, I got it down now. Scrofulariaceae. <laughs> Scrofulariaceae is a diverse family known as the figwort or snapdragon family. I have a thing for snapdragons. I, I remember when I was a kid, um, I, I was doing door-to-door -door sales or something, you know, as an eight-year-old or something, as you do. And uh, I, I remember for some reason I got, I, I won snapdragon seeds. So there's something a little bit um, that I have for snapdragon. So I was kind of happy to see this. And that is neither here nor there. So let's move on. <laughs> In this family, there are 220 genera or 3,000 species in this family. So that's a fairly large family. It is diverse, though generally these plants have symmetrical, two-lipped, tubular form of the flowers, often borne on long spires. And, and so that to me sounds a lot like how I picture a snapdragon. So. So one of the plants in this family is foxglove or digitalis. And I'm not talking about the Chinese foxglove. This is, um, I, I don't want to say American, but um, not Chinese foxglove. And actually super important medicinal herb, which is a source of the cardiac glycosides used for treating arrhythmias. So 
really actually foxglove is really important. This Chinese foxglove I don't think has the same, has digitalis in it, but it is, it's interesting because my grandfather, who was a doctor, was very, very dead set against me being in Chinese medicine and, and herbs and thought it was all crap. But then he would tell me a story about how when he was a young doctor, they'd go out behind the hospital and pick foxglove for the patients. And so I thought that was very interesting. So very important, uh, very important herb in this family. And it also includes many ornamental garden plants. Of course, snapdragons is just the first of those. There's a ton of them. A lot that I didn't really, I, I, the picture I said, oh, I've seen those, but I, I wouldn't know the name, so I didn't include them here. So going back to Shu Di Wang, its category is in the herbs that tonify the blood subcategory under the category of tonifying herbs. So the category is tonifying herbs, and then that's broken down into several subcategories. And this one is herbs that tonify the blood. And that's according to Bensky and his team. Remember, I have you know three or four major textbooks that I use for this information. So that's one. Chen Chen very similarly says it is in the it is in the blood tonifying herbs under the tonic herbs category. So definitely has uh, same thing. And Brandon Wiseman, another big textbook that I use, agrees saying it is a blood supplementing medicinal under supplementing medicinal. So they use slightly different translations, but it's clear it is all the same in all the three textbooks. It is sweet and slightly warm and enters the heart, kidney, and liver channels, according to Bensky and his team. And But neither Chen and Chen nor Brandon Wiseman include the heart channel. So they don't include the heart channel. So they just say it goes liver and kidney. So it's, it's a little discrepancy there between the three books. The dosage, according to Bensky, is 9 to 30 grams. And both uh, Chen and Chen and Brandon Wiseman say 10 to 30 grams. So, you know, 9 or 10 to 30 grams dosage. Again, I think they're those equal. Uh, both Bensky and his team and Chen and Chen agree that the first text source of this book they agree on the first text source of this book, though they disagree on the translation of the name of the book. So uh, it's basically Sun Tzu Miao's seventh century important formulas worth a thousand gold pieces. So um, that's according to Bensky and the book they, they is Qian Jin Yao Feng in Chinese. So we've mentioned Sun Tzu Miao. He's a very, very famous doctor. We talked about Sun Tzu Miao's On the Absolute uh, Sincerity of Physicians. I think it was episode 18 which is sort of the Chinese Hippocratic Oath. It's a very important doctor, so this is an important piece. So that was Bensky. Uh, in Chen Chen, instead of the Qin Jin Yao Feng, they say the Beiji Qin Jin Yao Feng. So they add a couple of extra words on it. But this is not uncommon in some of these texts. And they translate it instead of important formulas worth a thousand gold pieces. They uh, translate it as thousands of golden prescriptions for emergencies. So again, you know, interesting. You learn a lot by the different translations into English. So there you go. Good quality of this herb, according to Bensky, consists of large, thick, soft, sweet, and completely black roots. That's really important, very black. And Zhao and Chen, this is a textbook that is all about determining how, you know, how to determine the quality of the, of the herb. So this is really sort of the source for quality least in the English language that I've found. So Zhao and Chen says, the best quality consists of large lumps that are soft and moist, as well as black and lustrous, both inside and out. So we're going to see why 
inside and out as we get into the preparations of this herb. But before we do that, let's talk about its Chinese medical actions. And again, I find this really fascinating between the different books because they all have a slightly different take on these things. Though today we get a lot of concurrence, though little separation. So let's see what we have to say. So according to Bensky, Shudi Wang and his team, um, I don't want to discount his team. He has a large team behind him. Uh, Shudi Wang has the following actions. It tonifies the blood, nourishes the yin, strongly enriches the yin, and relieves wasting and thirsting disorders. These are Xiao Ke Ding, or uh, wasting and thirsting disorders. Uh, very interesting. That we often put diabetes into that sort of mix of things, so it's, a, it's an interesting aspect of disorders in Chinese medicine. And it also nourishes the blood and tonifies the essence. This is an interesting, so there's a couple things here that I just want to poke out a little bit. So tonifies the blood and nourishes the yin. So um, I was always taught that the blood and yin are kind of on a spectrum together so that, um, you know, if, if you're blood deficient and you it's uncontrolled, eventually it'll become yin deficient, yin being the more serious of the of that. So the idea of blood and yin both being nourished by the same herb seems appropriate and in the, in the, in the ballpark here. The other thing is this tonifying of essence because that's kind of a controversial thing. When I was, my martial arts instructor said that essence can't be tonified through uh, herbs. It can be slowed down. The loss of it can be slowed down, but you can't really tonify it. And I'm bringing this up because there's, the, he, there's one of their texts that has a slightly different translation of this and kind of speaks a little bit more towards where my, my, my martial arts uh, instructor would have been. So let's just keep an eye on this space for just a minute. Chen Chen has similar action, though some are quite different. It does nourish blood, nourishes blood, especially for blood deficiency, menstrual disorders, and gestational and postpartum or after birth disorders. It tonifies the liver and kidney yin. So again, nourishes blood and yin. It's a little bit more specific, liver and kidney yin as opposed to other types of yin in the body. It replenishes jing or essence. So this is that essence and fills the marrow. The marrow is sort of, um, you know, we, we say it stores essence to a certain extent. And so um, replenishes. So this is instead of tonifies, replenishes. Those are the same just little synonyms there. Um, but it says it's particularly for developmental delay and premature aging. And the one thing that it does say quite different from Bensky and his team is it arrests cough and wheezing. So it's actually good for that. So let's see if Brown Wiseman can shed any help on this. They similarly say it supplements the blood, useful, useful for palpitations, insomnia, and menstrual irregularity, enriches yin, boosts the essence and replenishes marrow. So instead of tonifying, I guess I, I'm going to say that's put in the same thing. So, okay, I don't, I don't know if there's quite as much uh, uh, controversy as I may have thought of at first blush here, but um, it does, uh, all of them do say it helps essence. There's not a lot of herbs that are not animal products that actually help essence. And so this is an important one for that. And then Zhao and Chen, remember that's that quality book, but they also explain, they also have some um, functions. Not They don't go into as much depth as the other books, but it similarly says it nourishes you and supplements the blood, boosts, es boosts essence, and fills the marrow. So very, very similar in, in its approach of things here. All right, let's get into those preparations. How can this herb be prepared? And there are several different preparations of this herb. So... 
Bensky and his team say it is prepared by mixing Romania Radix or Shendi Wang. Okay, so Shudi Wang, we've been saying, is prepared Romania. The the non-prepared, the regular Romania is Shengdi Wang rather than Shudi Wang. And that's just Romania Radix rather than Romania Radix preparata. Um, so uh, in order to make Shudi Wang, you take some Shengdi Wang and prepare by mixing with rice wine and steaming until the roots are black and moist inside and out. And then the herbs are then dried in the sun. So that's how Bensky says this herb is prepared. Zhao and Chen say something similar. Shengdi Wang is double boiled with alcohol until it is absorbed, then air dried until the resulting sticky liquid on the outer skin becomes slightly dry. It is then cut into thick slices or lumps and dried. They also say, alternatively, it can be steamed until black and moist, sun-dried until half-dried, and sliced and then fully dried. So very similar sort of preparations in this, but the idea is it's not Sheng Diwang. That's a totally different herb with different functions, similar but different, decidedly different functions. Um, so Sheng Di uh, as opposed to Shu Di. Um, there are other forms of preparations, according to Bensky. Dry-fried cooked Romani or Chao Shu Di Huang is where the sliced herb is dry-fried until scorch marks appear. This method of preparation slightly reduces the herb's cloying greasiness and is used for patients with weak digestion, but the effects are otherwise similar to the unprepared herb. Okay, so we're gonna we we're gonna hear that this is the this is their caution with this is that it's a very cloying and difficult to digest herb. So this form of dry frying is helpful for that digestion. Um, there's also charred cooked romani or shudi wang tan or shudi tan is when the sliced herb is baked at a moderate to high temperature in a covered pan until a piece of white paper affixed to the top of the cover turns scorched black. Not only does charred cooked Romania still nourish the blood, its ability to stop bleeding is also enhanced. So we, we didn't get into this when we talked about the Tauger, but charring in general stops bleeding. That's one of the things that charring an herb actually um, does to an herb. So there you go. This is... Uh, where this would come in. We have ginger prepared cooked Romani or Jiangzhir Shudi Wang. And this is when slices of the herb are sprayed with a mixture of water and sliced raw ginger, then briefly dry fried until the ginger juice has been absorbed. This was a common method of preparation in ancient times, but is now rarely used. When prepared in this manner, the herb no longer has a cloying effect on the diaphragm and would thus be more, most appropriate for patients with phlegm dampness in the area of the diaphragm. So in reality, this isn't used all that much anymore um, because we have other herbs that are probably better for this sort of condition. And it's just not a common preparation. Uh, another preparation is you can cook Romania with a momum fruit, uh, or uh, a momum is uh, cardamom. Uh, fruit, so Sha Ren Ban Shudi uh, is where the powdered amomi fructus or Sha Ren is mixed with this herb until its surface is covered with powder. And um, cardamom, you know, Sha Ren is very good for digestion. So this prevents the excessive greasiness of Romania from interfering with digestion. 
and a common alternative is to simply add Shaoren to prescriptions containing Shudi Wang. So you'll see when we do use Shudi Wang, we often will use formulas that help, uh, we'll add in herbs into the formulas that help with digestion because of this difficult to digest aspect of, of Shudi Wang. All right, Western uses. Uh, of this herb, it, you know, this herb being a very important Chinese herb is listed in the primarily Western PDR for herbal medicines. However, it mainly lists its uses in Chinese medicine. It does say constituents of the herb have antibacterial, immunosuppressive, so um, antibacterial, of course, against bacteria, immunosuppressive suppresses the immune system, which can be helpful in like autoimmune scenarios or um, other situations and anti-hepatotoxic effects. So um, what this does is it helps if other things uh, hurt the liver or toxic to the liver, this is anti-liver toxic is basically what it's saying. And it may be helpful in rheumatic diseases as well. I, looking at this, I did some research. There weren't, this is primarily a Chinese herb, uh, not used that commonly in Western herbology. Uh, those, uh, as we have here, some of Western scientific uses, and we'll get more into the science of it in just a little bit. There's, since this is such an important herb, there's a lot of commentary on this herb, and we're going to get into it um, because I think it's really important. I did, I did shave it down a little bit, but I think a lot of it really helps emphasize and explains its usefulness in, in Chinese herbology. So, uh, Bensky has a particularly excellent commentary on this herb, uh, at least a page or two. Uh, and that's, that's saying a lot because these are big pages with a lot of text on them. So here's what they say. Sweet, warm, moist, and richly tonifying, Shudiwang enters the liver, kidney, and heart channels to tonify the blood, enrich the yin, generate essence, and augment the marrow. So we've already talked about all these actions already. Black, heavy, and utterly still in nature, it embodies the qualities of deep essence, stored potential, the body's deepest resource available for the production of functional yin, blood, and primal chi. It is the primary herb for tonifying the liver and kidneys and nurturing and stabilizing the primal root. It is often used to treat patterns of insufficient kidney yin and liver and heart blood deficiency characterized by such symptoms as weakness of the lower back and legs, emaciation or, or um, losing weight and getting thin, too thin, spermatorrhea, this is loss of sperm. Um, my, my understanding and looking at this for a long time, because we don't, we don't really use this word much in Western medicine, I think it, it kind of refers to unregulated loss of, or uh, unregulated ejaculation. So um, often nocturnal emissions or, uh, are a possibility here, that's a wet dream in layman's terms, um, might be what they're talking about here with spermatorrhea, but it's a common sort of uh, um, uh, symptom in Chinese medicine. Tinnitus or ringing in the ears, dizziness, premature grain of the hair, and gynecological disorders due to yin or blood deficiency. These are all symptoms of where this could be useful. Seeking accuracy in the Materia Medica, which was written around 1773, explains the effect of its various qualities. When the spirit scatters due to deficient yin, only the conserving, qu conserving quality of Wang will gather it. Conservation controls scattering. When fire ascends due to deficient yin, 
only the heaviness of Shudi Wang will direct it downward. Heaviness controls ascent. When there is restless movement to the deficient yin, only the stillness of Shudi Wang will suppress it. Stillness controls movement. When there is hardness and tension due to deficient yin, only the sweetness of Shudi Wang will relax it. Sweetness moderates and relax relaxation controls tension. I kind of like that quote. Continuing another book, Transforming the Significance of Medicinal Substances, uh, which was written around 1644 CE, observes that when fresh Romani is mixed with wine then steamed until cooked, its bitter flavor turns sweet, its cool nature turns warm, and it specifically enters the liver organ to tonify the blood. It also warms the gallbladder and augments the heart blood, but even more, it tonifies the kidney water. Whenever there is internal injury or insufficiency, excessive mental or emotional activity that exhausts the spirit, continual worry that injures the blood, an unleashed desire that consumes the essence, or in order to adjust menstruation, pregnancy, and the postpartum period, one should use Shudi Wong. To wrap this up with Bensky, he continues, Wang Hao Gu notes that this is that's a doctor notes that this herb governs blurry vision that occurs when one wants to rise from a seated position. It can also be used for uterine bleeding caused by injury to the penetrating and conception vessels. These are important meridians in the, in the body. We haven't covered them yet, but at some point we will. Charred cook, cooked Romania is particularly appropriate for this indication. So that was the commentary from Bensky and his team. Let's look at what the others say. Oh, that's it. That's all our commentary. Yes. They actually, Chen Chen and Brandon Wiseman actually put a lot of time into different forms, describing the different forms of Romana. So let's talk about that right now. So both Chen and Chen and Brand and Wiseman compared the three main forms of Romania. All three, um, which include... Chen Di Wang, Xiang Di Wang, or Radix Romania recens, recens meaning recently cut, so this is fresh cut or fresh uh, harvested Romania. Chen Di Wang, Radix Romania, so that's not necessarily fresh, and, and another name for this is Gan Di Wang or dried Romania. And then Shu Di Wang, which is Radix Romania preparata, uh, which is the prepared form that we're talking about today. All three nourish yin and generate body fluids to treat yin and blood deficiency. So they're all good at this. So that's, that's, that's useful to know. Xian Di Wang is the fresh root. It is bitter, sweet, and very cold. In comparison with the others, Xian Di Wang has a weaker function to nourish yin, but a stronger function to clear heat, cool blood, relieve thirst, and dispel irritability. Also, it is less stagnating in nature, and thus it is used mostly for patients with heat in the blood and yin deficiency. So one of the things uh, one of them, one of the books said, and I, I, I didn't put it in here for some reason, is that this is not used outside of China. This is really, um, you know, where, around where it's grown. Uh, so it's not something that's commonly used anywhere else, and I've never seen it's used, its use in the, in the U, you know, around me in the U.S., so... Uh, so then we come up to Shengdi Huang. So remember, this is sort of the standard Romania, dried Romania. 
sometimes called gandiwan, gan meaning dried, is the dried, unprocessed root. Brenner Wiseman called this gandiwan or Romania radix exicata, which basically means you know, um, dried. Uh, it is weaker than Xi'an Di Huang for clearing heat and cooling the blood. It is mostly used to address heat in the blood that is injuring body fluids, Jing essence, or blood. And finally, we have our Shu Di Huang. And this is the prepared process root processed by steaming with water or grain-based liquor. It has the strongest tonifying action of the three. It is most suitable for use to alleviate Jing essence, blood, and yin deficiencies. We, because of the steaming, there's a lot of heat added into the herb, and so it actually is, is on the warm side, so it doesn't cool at all. So it kind of eliminates the cooling aspect of both Xian Diwang and Xiang uh, Diwang and Sheng Diwang. Uh, Bensky and his team also compare Shu Diwang with two other herbs. So the first of these is um, poly, um, Polygoni Multiflore Radix Preparata, or Zhir He Wu. Both herbs nourish the blood and enrich the yin, tonify the liver, and augment the kidneys. However, Shu Diwang is black in color and so primarily enters the kidneys to augment the essence and marrow and strongly tonify the true yin while secondarily tonifying the blood and nourishing the liver. It is quite greasy and cloying and thus difficult to digest. By contrast, um, Polygoni multiflora radix preparata, or He Shou Wu, is reddish brown in color, and so primarily enters the liver to adjust and tonify the nutritive blood, while secondarily enhancing the kidney yin and securing the essence. While it does not have quite the tonifying strength of Shu Di Wang, neither is it greasy or hard to digest. So if someone's, you know, having digestive issues, He Shou Wu might be a better choice, even if it's not quite as strong. On this, on, this, uh, on this comparison, uh, the book that we already talked about, Seeking Accuracy in the Materia Medica, states that although both of these herbs tonify the yin, Shu Diwang strongly tonifies the congenital true yin and can achieve immediate results in dangerous situations such as violent ascent of orphaned yang. So yin and yang in, in um, late stages can separate, and that's considered like pre-death in Chinese medicine. So this is not... so. Shudi is the, the one to use in that scenario. He Wu, on the other hand, adjusts and tonifies the postnatal nutritive blood and can be taken over a long period of time to foster and nourish the essence spirit, expel disease, and adjust the primal. The congenital yin and postnatal yin are not alike, and the rapidity of effect of these herbs on the two yin is greatly different. In other words, Shudi Wang is going to be faster than He Shou Wu in this scenario. So the second comparison of Bensky was with was Shudi Wang with the herb Asinai, Koreai, Kola, or Ajiao. This is ashide glue, you know, donkey glue, uh, which is used. It's a, a blood-building sort of uh, tonic. Uh, both substances enter the liver and kidney channels, both nourish the blood and enrich the kidney yin, and are often used in treating blood deficiency patterns and gynecological disorders, such as irregular menstruation or problems during pregnancy or postpartum, so after pregnancy, after birth. However, while Shu Di Wang generates essence and augments the marrow, a Jiao 
enriches the lung yin and stops bleeding. Should be noted that both substances are greasy and can interfere with digestion. There you go. Hojiao, if you've ever used it, usually comes in um, a chunk. And what you're actually supposed to, when you decoct a formula, you will actually, after the formula is all mixed and you're about to drink it while it's hot, you mix in the hojiao so it kind of goes into the, into the water. All right, com more comparisons. Uh, Chen Chen compares Shudiwang with Sang Chen Zi, the yin tonifying herb, and says both are excellent yin and blood tonics. Sang Chen Zi is cool and tonifies the liver and kidney. It has a gentle and subtle effect and works well as a long-term tonic. Shudiwang, on the other hand, is warm and strongly nourishes yin and tonifies blood. It is potent and exerts immediate effects. So basically, the difference between these is um, short-term versus long-term. You know, how, how serious is the condition? How fast do we need to actually treat it? And if we need to do that quickly, Shudiwang is our choice. If you want to do it over a long period of time or sometimes a week and uh, may need to be build up a little bit, then it's Sang Shenzhen. So those are the comparisons of herbs. Uh, let's get into combinations of herbs with Shu Di Wang. There are many, many combinations possible and discussed in the texts, though each of the texts had a couple that they, they, they really kind of got into, so we're going to get into those as well. Bensky and his team discusses three main combinations, though one of them is with Ma Huang or Ephedra Herba, which is banned in most countries, and therefore we won't be discussing it here, but I just wanted to make it known that, yeah, it can be used in combination with that. And if you know Ma Wang, we have covered Ma Wang, I think it, it has been one of our superb herbs, is it is in almost every way the opposite of, of Shudi Wang. So it would be very interesting to see those two in a combination. All right, but we are going to discuss uh, the combination with Cornai Fructus or Shanju Yu, so while Shu Di Wang richly nourishes liver, kidneys, essence, and marrow, Shan Zhu Yu warmly tonifies the liver and kidneys, but its primary contribution to this combination is its ability to restrain and conserve the essence. Tonification is of little use unless it is retained in its proper place, in this case, the kidneys. The sourness of Shan Zhu Yu secures the essence while restraining and inhibiting urination and sweating thereby preserving the fluids and indirectly augmenting the yin. That's this. And, and it is in the astringent category, herbs that astringe and secure. So it makes sense that it's holding things in, and that would be a good combination with the tonification of essence from Shudi Wang. The other combination here is with ginseng radix, or renshen, ginseng. Um, and this combines one of the strongest qi tonifying herbs with one of the strongest blood and yin tonifying herbs, taking advantage of the fact that when qi is sufficient, blood can be generated. When blood is sufficient, there is a basis for the transformation of qi. Renshen is yang and mobile in nature, augmenting the qi, while shudiwang is yin and quiescence, quiescent in nature, augmenting the blood. Thus, this combination is often used in the treatment of qi and blood or qi and yin deficiency patterns. In the book Rectification of the Meaning of Materia Medica by Zhang Jie Bin, he explains 
She and blood are the basis of human life. She is primarily yang and mobile. Blood is primarily yin and still. To tonify the qi, Ren Shen is primary. With astragali radix, huang qi, and a tractolotus macrocephaloid rhizoma by Zhu acting as assistants. To tonify the blood, Shu Di Wang is primary. With Angelica sinensis radix, Dongwei, which we've covered in Super Observes, and Chuangchang rhizoma, Chuangchang acting as assistants. Yes, yet there are situations in which Huang Qi, Baiju, Chuangchang, and Dongwei should be avoided. But Renchen and Shudiwang are com compulsory for qi and blood deficiency treatment. Thus, whenever there is yang qi deficiency in any of the channels, one cannot do without Renchen. Whenever there is yin blood deficiency in any of the channels, Shudiwang must be used. So I think what this really does is emphasize how important Shudiwang is in yin and blood tonification. So let's kind of keep that in mind. That's sort of the bottom line here. This is the the queen of that. All right, continue with this. Oh, no, we're done with that. So Chen and Chen also discusses combinations with some of these herbs. They say, Shudiwang is frequently used with Dongwei radices, Angelica sinensis, and Chuanxiang rhizoma, Lagusta Chi, Chuanxiang. So, so a couple of things there. So number one, um, same herbs we were just talking about from Bensky are included here with the, the Shangdi Wang, and it makes sense. But you might notice this is radices, angelica sinensis, and rhizoma, lagusta chi, chuangshang. Well, before we had chuangsang, rhizoma, um, and we didn't have the lagusta chi as well. They're different species, you know, it gets a little complicated sometimes when trying to, um, you know, match a, a Chinese name with a, a our Latin species. Um, and nowadays we put the radix and the rhizoma after the herb, um, though when I was first learning and studying it was before the herb and so the the actual part of the herb should be after the the herb name so um technically this should be angelica sinensis uh, radix rather than radices angelica sinensis but it's a minor flaw and it's, it's a time-based flaw so i'm not worried about it. but that's why it's a little different than what we just talked about with these herbs uh but so shudi wang chuang chang and dong gui the combination of these three herbs has a maximum tonifying effect with minimal side effects as the stagnating tendencies of the tonics are offset by the blood invigorating activities. So we do say that when you tonify, you stagnate. You, you know, you have the, the propensity to stagnate. So we always like to, when we, we tonify qi, um, we also like to move or regulate qi at the same time. When we tonify blood, we also like to invigorate the blood at the same time. And what's neat about this is Shudi Wang is, very to is tonifying, very stagnating, Dongwei is tonifying to the blood, but it actually moves the blood a little bit at the same time. And Chuangchang is primarily a blood mover with maybe a little bit of, of blood tonification. So together, all three work really well for tonifying the blood and making sure that there isn't a lot of stagnation happening at the same time. Uh, so Chen Chen also say that Sha uh, Ren or Fructus Amomi, we already mentioned that briefly when we were talking about different preparations, or Chen P, Pericarpium citri reticulate, this is actually tangerine peel, is commonly used with Shudiwang to offset its stagnating nature. In addition, the concurrent use of Shaoren or Chen P will protect the spleen and stomach and promote digestion. These are both really good for digestion, though they, they come from slightly different per places. 
that's that's a really good combination with Shu Yuan as well. So let's talk about the contents of Shu Yuan. What's in there? There are many constituents of this herb, including many iridoids and iridoid glycosides. I, I read one paper said this is the primary uh, constituents and uh, and useful constituents, and there's a lot of them. So I didn't I didn't want to list them, but iridoids and iridoid glycosides. Um, sugars, organic acids, and other constituents, including beta-cytosterol. We've talked about beta-cytosterol quite a bit, and it's, it's, uh, there's a lot of medicinal properties associated with beta-cytosterol, so that's, that's beneficial, though I'm not sure how much of it is in Romania, but there we go. Uh, and we, like I said, um, we've discussed many uh, times uh, the beta-cytosterol. Trenchen adds some chemicals specific to this plant. I'm always looking for these very specific chemicals uh, and they say Romania, uh, Romania, A, B, C, and D, Rama glutens, A, B, C, and D, and Ramanans, A, B, C. So, always, whenever you see that the species name in the in the chemical name, it usually indicates that this is where they were discovered. It doesn't mean they're exclusive necessarily, but they were first discovered. They can be exclusive, um, and oftentimes they'll find all this stuff and then later on realize, oh wait, actually that chemical is the same as that other chemical that we covered over there and they change the names. But um, I always like to track these specific chemicals. So there you go, Chen Chen had, uh, here's 11 uh, different chemicals that seem to be specific to Romania. I'm not sure how important they are, but they're, they're there. All right, let's talk about the science. According to Chen and Chen, Shu Duong has many pharmacological effects, including anti-inflammatory, endocrine uh, helping, effects, cardiotonic effects, which means it helps the heart, antihypertensive, helps blood pressure, homeostatic, so it, it stops bleeding, hepatoprotective, as we mentioned, it, uh, it can help uh, uh, liver toxins, so it protects the liver, hepatoprotective, diuretic means causes you to, to urinate, and antibiotic effects, as we already mentioned when we talked about Western uses of this. And they include three studies showing positive effects in hypertension with an N of 62. That's the number of 62. We always put in the numbers because that's important. It's, it's, a, it's an indicator. It's not the only indicator, but it's a good indicator of how powerful the study is. Um, so N of 62 is fairly small, uh, but still, sti uh, still statistically uh, significant. So that's hypertension. There's myelitis, which is actually an, an infection of the, of the, of the um, bone. Uh, and that had an N of 1,000. So that was a pretty strong study. And then they also talked about its use in electric ophthalmitis, which is an inflammation of the eye, but it didn't include the, the N. So I don't know how many people were involved in that study. Um, it's an interesting uh, use of this herb. And then when I looked at reviews and what have you, I came across one by Han and his team, which discussed the ability of this herb to help weight loss probably through altering the gut microbiome. So that's a really interesting, that was in 2015. So that's a relatively recent uh, study. And I think it's really interesting. This could be helpful in weight loss. That's huge. Um, a lot of the people who are overweight though would have trouble with the digestion aspect of this, of this herb. And we're not gonna get into all the reasons why, but from a Chinese perspective, that's the case. But I also think it's interesting that um, it probably helps weight loss through the the microbiome of the gut, which there's a lot of research going on right now with weight loss and the microbiome of the gut. So it, it's an interesting perspective on that. 
Um, and I'm, I'm going to keep an eye on it and see what, what comes of that as we go through time here. So that's some science on this herb. Let's talk briefly about drug-herb interactions. It does appear that Shudiwang induces cytochrome P450 isozyme or subtype 3A4, um, at least in vitro evidence, which is level D, the lowest level of evidence. So, you know, take this with a little bit of, of salt because it, it, it hasn't been shown in humans to do this. Um, but 3A4 is one of the biggest targets for drug-herb interaction. So if it does induce uh, cytochrome P450 3A4, that's a pretty strong indicator that it could interfere with other drugs. Having said this, however, uh, Gardner and McGuffin, which um, puts out, uh, which is the book, uh, the American Herb Producers Association's, uh, I think, Herb Safety Book or Safety Manual or something like that. It's really good. It looks at a lot of herbs and how safe they are. It says this herb is in, its, is in safety class one and interaction class A, both being the safest category. In other words, this is a very safe herb, um, safety class one, and it's very unlikely to cause interaction. That's the interaction class A. So in other words, this herb is based on the literature quite safe and with minimally known potential interactions. So there's some potential for the cytochrome P450 interactions, but I, it's, it's not proven in humans. So it's something to be aware of, but not maybe something to be super worried about at this point as far as drug interactions are concerned. So what are some concerns about this herb? There are concerns about this herb, some, some important concerns about this herb. So Bensky and his team say, this is a very cloying and rich substance that readily leads to stagnation of dampness and impedes digestion. It is contraindicated in those with qi stagnation and profuse phlegm, fullness and pain in the abdomen, reduced appetite and diarrhea. They also state there's been one report of an allergic skin reaction associated with taking this herb. So frankly, one report out of millions of people who have taken this herb, not super worried about allergies happen. Uh, there's really no way to avoid it. And um, I'm not particularly worried about one report, but it's a good reminder to know that any of our herbs can cause an allergic reaction. So um, there you go. Chen and Chen say, Chen say something similar. Use Shidiwang with caution in patients with spleen and stomach deficiencies because the stagnating and cloying nature of Shidiwang may impair digestion. It is contraindicated in excess conditions with dampness, phlegm, or qi stagnation. So here's that dampness thing. And when we talk about obesity, going back to the reason why it may not be a great herb for obesity or for weight loss, is we actually say obesity to be dampness or phlegm. And both of those are, are basically contraindicated here, according to Chen Chen. So that's, you know, useful, not useful um, for, the, for weight loss sort of thing, potentially. Uh, and then finally, Brandon Wiseman concur. Shooting Wong is rich and slimy, uh, and they put in parentheses, cloying. Some patients find it difficult to digest. For this reason, it is contraindicated in cheese stagnation and copious phlegm, distension, and pain in the stomach duct, use the word duct, which I thought was interesting, reduced eating and sloppy stool or diarrhea. So don't use it in those cases. If you have diarrhea, this is not a good herb to have at the same time as you're having diarrhea. Okay, 
Well, that's a lot. We've covered quite a bit today. So let's talk in summary. Shudiwang is a very important herb for building blood as well as yin. In fact, it may just be the most important herb for this, for building blood and yin. And that's, that's saying something. We rarely will hang that, that hat on an herb. And here we are, I think we may just hang that hat on this herb, the most important herb uh, potentially for building blood as well as yin. Very useful, but also like many tonic herbs, difficult to digest. It must be used appropriately or in helpful combinations to maximize its effectiveness. This is one of those herbs, just a, an amazingly fantastic herb, but it really speaks to how important it is in, in Chinese herbology and Chinese thinking to use formulas for herbs rather than individual herbs. Super important individual herb should be used in appropriate formulas moving forward. We also discussed paozhir or preparation of herbs without which shu di wang would not exist as it does. If we didn't have this preparation of herbs, we couldn't have shu di wang. So uh, very important as well in all of this. We learned a lot uh, today, so that's really amazing. And appreciate you hanging in there. Uh, on our next episode, we will be looking at a Western herb called calamus or a chorus calamus is the Latin for it. Uh, this is the kind of episode I love. I don't really know anything about this herb. And I am really excited about learning about this herb and what it is used for. I mean, literally, I have a list of Western herbs. And I looked at this list and like, I've never heard of this herb. I want to know about it. I'm going to make it a Spurbs Herbs episode. That's how this, this kind of came about. So I'm really excited about that. This looks like it's going to be a fascinating look at a Western herb, as well as exploring something a little different as usual. So please join us in two weeks for our next episode of Spurbs Herbs. And with that, I would really like to thank you for, for listening and, and continuing to listen. If you like this podcast, would you please do us a humongous favor? Give us a five-star rating in your favorite podcast app. That would, just, that would just help us so much, and we really would appreciate it. Thank you for even considering doing that. And do remember, you can get... This and 30% off our Drug Herb Series CUs and NCCOM, um, so uh, Drug Herb Series Continuing Education Units and National Certification Commission for Acupuncture and Oriental Medicine Professional Development Activities at www.integrativemedicinecouncil.org. So that's Integrative Medicine Council, C-O-U-N-C-I-L.org. And if you want that 30% off those, those first two drug herb courses, put a slash 32 on that, slash 32 and you'll get 30% off of the Drug Herb Series CEUs. Of course, you can always get in touch with me at drgreg at spurbsherbs.com or at our website, www.spurbsherbs.com. So that is the title of this podcast, Spurbs Herbs, S-P-E-R-B-S-H-E-R-B-S.com. So with that, we have our usual... Uh, large bibliography. I'm always proud of my bibliography. I don't know if I should be, but um, I, I spent a lot of time on the bibliography. So there you go. So thank you very much. I appreciate it. And uh, hopefully we'll see you again soon. Thank you. The proceeding was presented by Dr. Greg Sperber. We would like to thank Janelle for all her support and everybody else who contributed to this program. Janelle. Janelle. Timothy Dobbins. Roger Campbell.